What's up, everybody? Thanks for checking out the Hustle the Most podcast. This is episode four. And today, we're going to talk about how sometimes we hustle and we work hard and we end up right back at square one and we have to do it all over again. Sometimes you work your butt off and then the rug just gets pulled out from under you. We've all done it. It's happened. We've seen it. It's the most awful feeling in the world. But somehow we recover. So sometimes a lot of us in this world have to do whatever we have to do to make ends meet. And that may mean that you have to take what's known as a side job. Some people call them side gigs, side jobs, second jobs, whatever you call them. If you're listening to this and you have never had to take a side job to pay the rent or buy food or put gas in your car, or just get ahead, you may be one of the fortunate ones. But then again, maybe you're not. There's actually a handful of studies out there that talk about how something like 70% of all Americans are unsatisfied with their jobs. Let's think about that for a second. That means if you took like 10 of your friends and lined them up, seven of them are unsatisfied with their jobs. This seems like a pretty crazy statistic, but I think that if you really start digging into it and thinking about what it means to be unsatisfied with your job, it might have some pretty good truth to it. So, I mean, there's so many, so many variables, so many factors that, I mean, it could be maybe your pay sucks, maybe your commute sucks, maybe you have to drive, you know, two hours to work, maybe you take the train, maybe you take an Uber, uh, maybe your coworkers aren't the best, uh, maybe the actual work you're doing is, just, is dumb and you don't like it. Maybe it's monotonous or you just feel undervalued, whatever it may be. I think that that stat becomes pretty accurate pretty quickly. Side gigs are actually an amazing way to find new jobs that spark a passion. Hear me out for a second. For example, if you get a side job selling like products at a trade show on the weekends, you may find that talking to people that are walking up to your booth is so much more fulfilling than sitting in a cubicle from nine to five working on spreadsheets. It happens all the time. There are thousands of books out there that talk about how you can turn your passion uh, hobby into a full-time job. Uh, and that sounds kind of self-helpy, but you know, unless you really have the opportunity to explore that passion or that passion side, that passionate side of what you're doing or work that side gig, you will never know kind of what the future holds and what it could be like a whole new career that you didn't even know was inside of you. Not really by choice, but I took on my first side gig when I was 12 years old. Keep in mind, I was 12 years old. This was not really a side gig. This was what I would like to call my only gig. And so it, was, it would be my main gig. That's my main gig. And so this is just a quick story about a time that I made 80 whole dollars in a single weekend. When I was 12, $80 goes a long way. Well, it should, but um, we'll find out if it did or not. So when I was 12, my dad asked my brother and I to help him paint my aunt's house. My dad always, always did a lot of side jobs to kind of keep us afloat and keep the lights on. My dad was always trying to do whatever he could to support us. And my family knew my dad was always trying to support us kids. So when something needed done, my dad was the first one they would call. 
my aunt had this two-story house in like the Mott Park area of Flint. This house had a brick foundation, like a slate roof, lots of windows. My job was to scrape, then clean, and wire brush the entire foundation of the house. Then to brush and roll the entire foundation around the whole house. Just a quick side note about being the youngest and the smallest. If you were um, the smallest and the youngest in your family, you may already know this, but you are going to get the crappiest jobs. If someone needs something brought to them, or they want a soda and they're on a ladder, or they drop something, uh, maybe something needs to be swept or rinsed, that's going to be your job. It's just going to happen. So you don't know, sorry to break the news you this way, you're going to get the crappy jobs. That's just how it's going to be. When you're the runt of the litter, the baby, the little one, the smallest, the favorite, whatever you want to call it, that's what's going to happen. I spent four days lying on my side in the dirt. I actually spent a lot of time poking roly-polies and, and cleaning dirt um, out of my brush and out of my roller. But after four days of laying in the dirt, it was done. The house looked great. My aunt was happy. Uh, we were all pretty beat and tired and, and fairly covered in paint. And uh, it was done. It was, it was a lot of work, but we, we did it. It looked good. And I can't, uh, my, for my 12-year-old first job, I was pretty proud of the foundation. It looked very, I think it was like a red kind of burgundy color. I feel like it did a pretty good job. And uh, it was really dirty, but it was worth it. So we all went home and got cleaned up and sat down on the kitchen table. And my dad took all the money and he laid it out on the table. And he said, boys, we're going to play Monopoly. And he had all the money laid out in order. So he had 50s, 20s, 10s, and 5s. My dad told my brother and I to pick a bill. So naturally, my brother and I both grab, you know, we went for the, for the 50s. And ha, we got 50 bucks. So like, we're already ahead. We're great. And we each got those and pulled them back off the table. And then my dad grabbed the remaining um, pile of 50s and pulled them off the table. Then he said, all right, pick another bill. We both grabbed the 20s, right? That was naturally the next biggest bill sitting on the table. And then he each pushed us a $10 bill after that, and then he pulled the, run, the rest of the money off the table. My brother and I both got 80 bucks. It was awesome. I was excited. Not only was I 12 and I made the same amount of money as my bigger brother, but it was, uh, it was cool because my dad was always really fair, which was pretty cool. And he gave us, you know, he could have gave us 20 bucks and said, you know, thanks for playing, but he knew we worked hard and he wanted us to know that hard work pays off. And if you work hard and show up, uh, you're going to get something for it. So, you know, it's, it's funny, like my brother and I remember having these conversations when we were painting and it was kind of these, these adult conversations that, that you hear now, like around work where when the Powerball gets up to like 285 million, you have those what would you do if you won conversations? Would you come into work tomorrow? And people, of course, oh, I love my job. I'll come into work. And I don't know that anyone really knows when you win $285 million if you come into work the next day. But we were having these, you know, what are you going to do with your money conversations? We had no idea how much money we were getting, even if we were getting anything. We knew we worked hard. Our dad would probably give us something. Um, but we didn't know. My brother always had this weird thing that he used to tell me about how if he ever won the lotto, he would buy a house that was just like ours and put all the same stuff in it that we have in our house and then go in and smash everything with a baseball bat. I have no idea why 
that he thought this was great or amazing, but this was like his dream. And I don't think he ever got to fulfill it, but yeah, it was a pretty interesting dream to say the least. So I had 80 bucks. We're all done. We're good to go. So like any kid with a little bit of money, if, you know, in my pocket, it's uh, of course burning a hole in my pocket. And there was a kid in my neighborhood that had this older moped um, that he had crashed a few times. It had some broken plastic pieces on it. It had actually hockey tape holding the headlights on and up. And it was pretty ugly looking. Um, other than those somewhat important things, uh, it seemed pretty good. It ran well and it was for sale. And I think he kept it in his front yard or maybe I just heard about it. I don't remember how I heard about it. Uh, it was actually an 84 Riva Jog moped. And, you know, he had it for sale and I don't know how long he had it for sale, but I went over to his house to check it out. And the magical price for this moped was $80. And I don't know if I told him I had $80 or if he asked me how much I had to spend, I probably just said $80. I don't really remember, but either way, it was 80 bucks and the thing was pretty beat up. But my best friend down the street had a sweet brand new Honda Elite moped and it was amazing. It was red and it was like sparkling and I always used to lag around behind him when we would go anyplace because he'd be riding his moped and I'd be like on my bike or my skateboard or my curb cruiser and I wanted the moped really bad but I was really too young to be to be driving one or to be owning one so I was only 12 but I think it was a chance I had to take so I ended up buying the moped for 80 bucks and my dad test drove it thought it was cool he's like yeah 80 bucks and you know I had a helmet it's great so I bought the moped and I rode it all over the neighborhood that summer. My dad actually gave me a few rules and which is okay. Uh, he said I wasn't allowed to cross any main roads and I wasn't allowed to ride at night. And that was okay with me, I think. And my, uh, my neighborhood was actually boxed in by three main roads, but there was a lot of space in between those roads where we can cause a lot of trouble. So I remember there being a kid that, that drove by my house one day and we were sitting kind of in the front yard and our mopeds were, th- our mopeds were there. And he asked, he's like, hey, you guys want to go for a ride? And, you know, we were like, yeah, sure. So we jumped on our mopeds and, and kind of took off with him. We get halfway down my road and I look behind us and that kid's behind us by like a block and a half, two blocks. We get down to the, to the stop sign. And he tells us, he's like, oh, man, we got to go slow because my moped has a governor on it and it only goes 25. I think we instantly started calling this kid Speed Demon. Uh, I think my buddy John called him Red Fire. I couldn't tell you his name to this day, but I definitely remember him being Speed Demon. And then I think at one point Speedy was slowly adopted. And uh, it was it was pretty awesome because he was the slow one of the bunch. And a handful of us were riding around in mopeds and he was always last. Pretty funny. In our neighborhood that we used to kind of cruise around in, it's pretty cool because we could actually go up to the local 7-Eleven, which opened just a few years earlier, kind of in my neighborhood, and it was pretty cool. I remember that specifically it being open, um, it had a sign that said 7-Eleven open 24 hours. And when they first got built, I think I was probably 
nine maybe and we drove by and and uh i said i said dad has it been 24 hours yet he goes why and i go because 7-eleven says only open 24 hours and i think at the time i didn't know that there were only 24 hours in a day and so uh, he just laughed and thought it was just the funniest thing and i think he had thought that i thought they were going to tear it down but what i was really getting at was i didn't know how well long 24 hours was and so all I really wanted to do was get a Slurpee, and I thought maybe I had missed my window. So I did make it there from time to time. And that summer that I got the Mopeds, 7-Eleven actually had this really cool scratch-off giveaway kind of thing that basically was like a little card that they gave you whenever you bought something. And you scratch it off, and you could win something free, like a free Slurpee or free Chili Cheese Big Bite or nachos or a Big Gulp with chips or something like that. I remember there being these girls that work there and um I think they apparently thought my buddy was cute and started giving us these giant stacks of cards, like hundreds of these cards. And we actually parked our mopeds on the side parking lot and we started scratching these cards off. We probably spent three hours scratching these cards. All the winners we would put in a stack and all the losers we would just throw them in our helmets and then we would dump them in the trash. We had over 200 winners uh, in this stack that basically fed us for the entire summer. We just threw them with a little compartment under our seat that unlocked with a key, and we just throw them in there. And then whenever we got hungry or thirsty, we would just go to 7-Eleven, and we would eat Big Bites and Big Gulps and chili cheese, nachos, all kinds of stuff all summer, probably two or three times a day for the whole three months. It was absolutely amazing. Toward the end of that summer, my luck of being an underage moped rider kind of came to an end as I was pulled over. I don't really remember doing anything wrong per se. I just pulled in my friend's driveway and then the cop came cruising down the street toward me. I think the only thing I was really guilty of was being probably way too small to look like I was of any sort of legal age to ride a moped. I mean, the cop sat in the street at the end of the driveway and kind of waved me down to his window. I remember being kind of scared because, you know, it's not always a good thing. You know, I walked up to the car and he just said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 12. And he said, you know, you're too young to be riding that moped. And I was, I was like, and I just looked at him. I said, yeah, but all my friends have them. And he literally takes his hand and whips off his glasses and just kind of looked at me right in my eye. He goes, and I take them. And he, he, it was probably the scariest thing that I had ever witnessed. To, I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing to say to a kid, right? It's just like you're just crushing the kid's dreams right in front of him. I guess it's probably better that, you know, he do his job and, and take away mopeds from kids that shouldn't be riding him than to, you know, scrape 12-year-old kids off the street because they never went through driver's training or are, probably aren't doing the legal things you should be doing on a motored vehicle. It was just absolute craziness. And so I eventually ended up um, telling my dad about it. Uh, I think I went home that night and told him uh, what happened. And we agreed we should probably get rid of it. And I tried to sell it around the neighborhood, but couldn't find any takers. I think probably most of my friends the same age. Uh, you know, their parents probably didn't want them riding around in a moped that had the headlights held on with hockey tape. Probably a smart move, I think. Um, eventually I ended up finding a kid that wanted it which ironically lived across the street and down a few houses from the original kid that sold it to me. And I ended up trading it to him for a new skateboard. 
we're back on skateboards again. And uh, it was a pretty good swap for me, I think, because I think a, a complete at the time, which is basically, you know, board, trucks, wheels, uh, hardware, you know, grip tape, bearings, all that stuff, everything you need to have a skateboard. Um, uh, at the time, was probably like 150 bucks. And so it's kind of a it's kind of a come up for me, I think. So I got a brand new World Industries Jeremy Klein salad board, which was pretty sweet. It was brand new. And uh, indie truck, slime ball wheels. It was awesome. It was way better than the Billy Ruff that I had originally gotten, which I don't think I still had at the time. I think I swapped that for something else in my swapping to try to find better deals and better things and nicer skateboards, I guess. But I did have the skateboard, and I was pretty pumped on it. It was a brand new board, probably not brand new, but definitely the newest board I've ever had. Don't really think the kid rode it very much that had it. I rode it for about a week and I let this other kid ride it. A group of my friends I ran into on the street and they were like, Hey, this is so and so. I'm like, Hey, so and so. And he was a really good skateboarder and he's like, Oh, let him try, try ride your board. And so, you know, he jumps on it, does a couple tricks, tries another trick and falls and shoots my board into a passing car underneath it and it smashed it and skidded under the car for about 40 feet. Eventually the driver like opens his door kind of violently, grabs it from kind of behind the tire, throws it out like into the into the road and then just like sped off. And that was it. I think the only thing I could salvage from that were the trucks. Uh the wheels were flat spotted, the deck was obviously cracked in half and it was just a it was a bad scene. And I was pretty pretty sad and pretty pretty upset because you know this all spawned for me laying in the dirt working hard and this is what happened so you know the moral of the story is sometimes you work your butt off and make things happen and sometimes you end up exactly where you started which is back at zero so what did i really learn from all this i learned that starting over isn't always a bad thing especially if you've gained some sort of insight and learn from the experience, although at the time it was very devastating, um, with a good amount of tears. I was I was pretty sad. I mean, I also learned that's really hard to control your emotions when you see all your hard work go immediately down the drain and get run over by a car. Um, it happens, so just be prepared and you know do the best you can with what you have. I like the I'd like to think of the best thing that I learned was to try not to get discouraged. I mean, people are going to fail all the time. Dreams are going to come crashing down. It happens day in and day out, especially to people that are entrepreneurs, people that are trying to start something new, people that are starting new jobs, people that just get their license, like all kinds of crazy things. Things just happen. Um, Accidents happen. You just be prepared. Know that it's going to happen. And the best thing you can do is learn what you can from what happened and salvage what you can and try to rebuild. That's the best advice I can give. As always, thanks for listening and checking out the Hustle the Most podcast. This was episode four. Check out more stories and photos and connect with us at hustlethemost.com. We'll see you on the next one.